Oh, so we've, we've started. Do you know it's actually dark here? Uh, I thought it was always sunny in Italy. I uh, would like to welcome everyone to the non Podcast. It's episode 125. This week, it's Kristen Smith talking to you from Milan. I'm not actually near the San Stero, though. I'm really disappointed. And here in Bracknell, Berkshire, it's uh, me, James Bartleby. Uh, with some celebrating to do after the weekend. Um, but I think Kristen's got a bit confused there. It should be totally sunny in Philadelphia. James, that was a bit cheesy. Um, just at the end, for it's me, Rob Overfield, and I can see tonight it's just going to be one hilarious discussion about non-league football on the side. As as we always do, I'd just like to say thank you once again to Mark Fletcher coming on last week. It was it was an interesting discussion for me. Um, just going on about Pitch Hero and uh, the investment there. I still think that's staggering, uh, what's going on. But, uh, yeah, I'm in Milan. It, well, I know what you're saying, James. It should always be sunny in Philadelphia. But uh, last time I tried to go there, there was a massive snowstorm and my plane got cancelled, so I had to go somewhere else. <laughs> so <laughs> so I'm, not, I'm not too sure not too sure about the sunny bit. It may have been sunny while the snowstorm was happening. Um, but we've got a, a shorter running order, but I can feel there are going to be some probably bad jokes because uh, that's the sort of jokes we do but I think we'll start with a little um, thing of the week roundup of the week's, uh, weekend's games I didn't get to a game because shock horror I was travelling for work so I didn't get to see one um, but James I some good news coming out of your, your little camp for your under, under eight nights now yeah so on Saturday we had um, a cup semi-final um, which you know was a Big game in itself. Uh, we were quite nervous going in because uh, we have played a team before that we were up against and they've always been pretty decent matches. And we turned in the performance uh, of, of their lives, uh, our little uh, our little boys, and uh, they have they ran out 5-1 winners. Um, and it was never in doubt. Mm. We were 5-0 we were up, uh, up until about the last two minutes. Uh, so yeah, we've we've got a final to look forward to at the end of April um, at the beautiful Ascot United ground. So Ooh. cannot wait for that. And it is, it, it's. I mean, I'm I'm not taking any any credit for it as the as the manager or the coach, um, and neither is uh, is the other dad who who does it with me. Um, it's all about the, all about the boys. We're delighted for them because they deserve it for for the last two years. Um, the, the hard work, the effort. Um, the commitment showing up in in horrible weathers, um, in be that stiflingly hot or freezing cold, it, they've always turned up. They've always wanted to play. They've always wanted to learn, and it's it's fantastic and it's so rewarding to see how far they've come. And as I said, they thoroughly, thoroughly deserve this chance to lift the first trophy of uh, of, of a hopefully silverware laden career. Um, I cannot wait for for it now. It can't come quick enough. It's always nice. I remember when uh, my lad and they, they were, when the, he used to play football and they were winning stuff. It's absolutely great. It's the greatest feeling for him, just watching their faces and seeing them all what they need to do. Um, Rob, you had a, a game of football, but you've also had a strange day today. Let's start with a game of football uh, at the weekend. Not, uh, not too good for you guys this week. No, it wasn't. Um, and in many respects, it's been a strange seven days. Um County Cup semi-final last Tuesday, which Hampton won in the 94th minute with a penalty, but might not get to take part in the final. Uh, we, believe it or not, have fallen foul of the ineligible player thing. Yeah, right. We'll go on to that later. Um, Saturday, Saturday's match against Western Supermare was 
to put it bluntly, you know, it was it was poor. And those of you who might have seen the match report in the non-league paper will have seen that two or three or four Hampton players got a mark of five out of ten, which just shows that that was the manager talking, so he wasn't impressed. And today, well, oh, sorry, to go back, the final score against the West, Western game was 2-0 to the visitors, which was not helpful. But to go back to today, um, it can't, I would have hoped many of our listeners would have seen that um, three weeks ago, the comedy scriptwriter Alan Simpson passed away. He was also the president of Hampson Richmond Football Club. He'd been that position for nearly 50 years. In fact, if he'd made it to October, he would have celebrated 50 years in the row. And he was one of those gentlemen that, you know, I think the world is the world is less for him not being there. As much as he was a gentleman and a great comedy scriptwriter, he was a wonderful chap as well. And um, today was his funeral and it was held at, held at the club itself. It was actually held inside the ground. Um, Mackey set up on the pitch for the family and the uh, presiding minister. Um, the uh, coffin was brought onto the pitch in a horse-drawn uh, hearse. Um, and would you believe it? They brought it, they brought the hearse onto the uh, theme tune of Steptoe Son. <laughs> now you all know the tune. It just seems so out of place, but yet it seemed right as well. It was just amazing. Uh, Paul Merton, who was a close friend of his, gave a gave a, a short address as well, and it was just one of those one of those events that was a funeral, and it was a but it was a celebration as well, and I think the celebration won in the end. Everybody realised who the, you know who he was as a writer, who he was as someone who reinvented comedy in the sixties in many respects, sixties and seventies, but yet he was still widely enthusiastic about non-league football. He would go. You know, Hampton games, games at Staines, you know, all across the southeast of England, people who had come into contact with Hampton and Richmond Borough had met Alan Simpson. And, you know, it was a great turnout today. There was four or five hundred people there to say their farewells to Alan. And I think he would have been amused by the fact that the weather was absolutely bloody awful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I just I just have to um, second Rob's, uh, Rob's thoughts there. Uh, uh, I had the, the great pleasure and honour of of not knowing him well, but I, I knew him a little bit I, from when I worked at the club. I um, I chatted to him a fair bit in the in the boardroom while I was doing my team sheets, and uh, he, even my lad Callum, you know, used to sit with him and talk with him for ages. And I know Alan quite liked uh, quite liked chatting to Callum, um, but yeah, he was he was just a, a fantastic guy to have around the place. Um, always welcomed the opposition directors and the referee and everyone like that and everyone everyone loved him um and you could you could sit there and listen to him for hours and it seemed like he'd been there two minutes he, he was just one of those he was so engaging uh i i always used to love it when he would he told he's told me the story before and he's he's told it to um he's had it recorded for interviews and I'd always listen, even though I knew the story. I would always listen about the story of when he found the ground in the first the first time he ever went there. Uh, about when he, he, I think it was he got off the bus, um, asking around that all down the road where the ground was, and no, no one knew the club even existed. Um, and he, he would just walk through these these trees, and and there it was. There was the ground, uh, and you know, obviously it's a lot different now because it's um, 
it's more of a more an urban area now. Uh, but it was just the way he told the stories. You know, he was he just he's just got this way of, of just holding an audience. And you know, as as Rob said, the world is a is a much sadder and much unfunnier place um, for him not being in it anymore. And um, you know, rest in peace and thoughts and and love to to all his family and loved ones. I'm just pleased about the fact that he saw the team get promotion last season in such a positive and attacking way. He enjoyed every second of it with Alan. And, you know, I miss, even now, he's only been, you know, he's only been gone a few weeks, but I miss not seeing him in the boardroom and giving him his team sheet and talking about this player or that match or what happened and things like that. Because he was just that kind of gentleman. And he was. He was just a proper gentleman. Nobody at the time I've ever met, has had a bad word to say about the late Alan Simpson. He brings great credit on non-league football, that's all I can say. Well, it does, and it, it's, it, as you say, the world is a, is a worse place, and his affi- affinity with the club, and also with non-league in general, is, is great, and that's really what uh, we wish more people would be like him. Uh, I will say the ground is still a little bit tricky to find at times because of the urban <laughs> sprawl around it now. That's uh, just my, my little opinion there. I thought I was going the wrong way when I went to... You've got more chance of finding it now, though. Uh, there's, there's less trees and more signs. <laughs> yes, there there definitely is. So, uh, talking... Uh, let's, let's move. We do have a little rundown. Uh, I'm probably not going to use some of the words that I've just scribbled down to make some notes. Uh, we have to mention... Uh, betting irregularities, I think, is, is <laughs> something that goes for me. Um, because we had a little discussion like we normally do just before we come on air. And Rob was making all of these pie jokes. And I'm just a bit confused. Because wasn't the guy at Sutton 23 Stone? <laughs> yes, he was. Uh, yeah. yes, yes, he was, yeah. Well, he was a big lad. Hope for me yet, then, if he can, if he's <laughs> able to play footy, because he thinks that he was there to make up the numbers. Um, but people may have seen, as we were talking uh, last week when we were recording uh, the podcast, uh, Sutton were playing Arsenal, and I think um, there was yeah, a bet. themselves as well. Well, that's the thing they did. They was it two 0 in the end, and mm. if you think uh, it's Arsenal or. No matter what people say about them and what they are, they still are a big Premier League club, and they have um, won the Premier League lot more recently than uh, people like Liverpool have never won it and stuff like that. So they are still a, a reasonably sized club and a, a big support. So it was it was good for Sutton to have that, but this it was, it was overshadowed somewhat by, for a start, a bookmaker accepting the bet of the Sutton Reserve goalkeeper eating a pie at some point during the match. And then accepting another bet from somebody else who allegedly put on a five-figure sum for it. And so I know they're having a go at uh, Sutton and they're going to investigate and check whether he's done. And he's, I can't remember whether he was resigned or he he was sacked, but he's left the club. Yeah, kind of asked to resign, I think. Yeah, which is going to lead on to something, no doubt, James, you're going to mention about the weekend's game. Mm. But why aren't the Gambling Commission coming down on the bookmakers for accepting such a stupid bet, which is so open to being um, manipulated? Well, I mean, for 
for a start, it was a pasty. Um, quite clearly, you can see that in the footage. Um, not a pie. Uh, <laughs> but now, has anybody actually got the legal definition of what the difference between a pasty and a pie is? Um, I think a pie can be defined as coming in a container, generally. So does a pasty. No. Yeah, pasty's in its own container. It's it's that's what the, the pastry no. is. Yeah, but I've not seen a, I've not seen a pasty in a metal plate. Ah, but a pie doesn't need to be in a metal plate. You see, now this this is the real controversy with this story. <laughs> <laughs> was it a pie or was it a pie? We need to get someone from Greg's the Bakers on. They should know. Um, but let's go back to something a little bit more serious, Dave. Carry on, yeah, sorry. I mean, yeah, I, I, said, I said it last week, didn't I? Um, this whole this whole thing with the betting company, I'm not going to name them because I can't stand the newspaper that they're part of and I just think it's all just disgraceful. Anyway, they've had enough publicity, but... They, I said it last week. I said it was it was tacky of the club to ditch their loyal sponsor for a few extra quid from a televised game against Arsenal in you know such a late round of the cup. You know it was it. it I said it was tacky. I said it it came across a little bit as greedy. You know, I mean, were they not making enough money out of this? They were getting quarter of a million just for the TV mm. deal from that one game, regardless of what else they've earned in the tournament. Um, and you know it's blown up massively now. I mean, what a stupid bet to for the for the company to to advertise or whatever, and what a stupid thing for the bloke to do. I mean, I, when I saw him doing it during the match, I, I thought, you know, I thought that's that's a bit weird. Why would you be eating a you know why would you be eating a, a pie, a pasty, a burger, whatever on on the bench when you're actually a named substitute? Um, I, mean, I, I thought at the time it was a little weird. Um, but since everything's come out and he's, you know, he's he's had to he's had to leave the club. He's 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 kind of been stitched up. He's been naive, hasn't he? He's, you know, he's mm. he's allowed it. He's allowed it to come. He's taken he's taken the, the money or whatever and whatever's happened. He's um, you know, he, he's been he's been naive at best. Um, and I just I just can't understand why this would be allowed to to happen. Mm. But you know, you mentioned Saturday's game and. For anyone that's that's not aware, Sutton United were playing down at uh, down at Torquay, and Ross Warner, their first choice goalkeeper, got injured in the fifteenth minute. Um, and Wayne Shaw was their only other recognised goalkeeper or senior goalkeeper, so they didn't have one on the bench. Um, so for for seventy five minutes of the match, uh, defender Simon Downer went in goal, and unbelievably he did, didn't do too bad because the uh, Sutton ran out three two winners down at Playmore. So it was a it's a bit of a miraculous um, performance in the end, but how ironic is that? You just you just knew it was going to happen, didn't you? As soon as they he was sacked, you just knew that something was going to happen to their keeper on on Saturday. Um, uh, I don't know how bad the injury is. I don't know how long he's out for. I wish him all the best, um, however major or minor the injury is. Um, but the whole the whole thing stinks, and sullies what was the greatest night in you know in mm. in Sutton's recent history. I mean, I know the. Uh, they beat was it Coventry? Um, yeah, yeah. 20, I think 30, Thirty years ago now was it eighty nine? Yeah, yeah. It's eighty nine. Yeah, God, huge. Nearly three huge decades ago. Oh, my oh, God. oh, I remember it. I remember yeah, it. but you know, I mean, this was their biggest night since then, and it's it's going to be remembered now for all the wrong reasons. As I said during the game, minute one to minute ninety, yeah, they were obviously slightly outplayed, but. Gave a decent account of themselves. They had a spectacular shot in the second half from like 25 yards that smashed off the bar. Um, but they did give a decent account of themselves, and for it to all be, you know, rendered meaningless because of this 
nonsense off the pitch, which has left a guy out of work and probably unemployable now, you would have thought, in, in football. Um, you know, it's just, uh, just horrible, horrible. Part of the thing um, that I see with um, gambling and bookmakers in general is that a lot of the time they will end up offering bets that to the rest of us look stupid. But I suppose it's one thing that you've comes back to the old saying a fool and his money are soon parted. If they can persuade somebody else to go and you know put some money down on a bet, that means more money for them and you know the cust- they could the customer has a little bit of fun. But in this case it was just uh, it was it, given everything before the match about it. I mean, it's inevitable something would have been would have been put up, and then for it to you know for it to happen like that, I mean, you know, it just makes you wonder um, what he thought was going to happen. Is it a case of you know it's only a bit of fun, nothing will happen, nobody will say anything? And the thing is, technically, he has been involved. He has, if not placed a bet. Has been in part of one in the middle of, on or involving a football match. Well, and and, and, I, and I believe some of his friends or relatives put put money on it when they found yeah. out about it. And yeah. I know someone put a five figure sum down on it. Mm. You see, the thing is, this will probably come under the FA's um, regulations on uh, on gambling, not directly because it's he's not laying the bet; he's the subject of the bet. But why he ever thought nothing would come of it? Really, you got to ask him. And I know, and I know, he took it. You know, afterwards, when the press were talking to the manager, manager said, "I don't know what he's done this for. You know, he is being naive, and you know, it's it, it was stupid. But it's just a case of the atmosphere. You know, the adrenaline rush of the the occasion. It's just overridden." You know, normal common sense, and he's just gone for it, not thinking what the consequences could be. And the consequences have been pretty major. Um, he's now out of a job. Um, Sutton are without a, a you know a backup keeper, and as it turned out, they needed one. And for all of the club's performances, we've all rightly said this evening, it would be you know nobody's going to remember the fact of the performance two 0 against Arsenal. You know. Yeah, it wasn't the Arsenal that you would have seen last weekend. That you know, playing. Yeah, yeah. But it's just a case of it's still Arsenal, and two nil against them. There's Premier League clubs haven't had the two nil defeat against Arsenal and performed as well. And nobody's going to remember that. All they're going to remember is you know, with so so. I'm, I'm going to have to get this one in, question. With so much at stake, you know, what did he want to make it do a thing like that for? It's all come a bit flaky in the end. Oh, see, see, this is the thing. Um, they were very bad, very bad, very bad, Rob. Unfortunately, bad I can't, Rob. unfortunately, I do not claim authorship of those. I actually got those from somebody at the club. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this is the thing. It has overshadowed the game, yeah. and so it's sad that it's gone on. But I say, I know that the, the betting company will take bets on anything because they know they're going to win 98% of the bets that get placed or something like that. Yeah. 
but it's why are they allowed to have one which is why would they and this is my my brain working they've got no guarantee of the outcome it's down to one person to just grab something and no one's going to think particularly much of it or is that do they get to keep the money if it's a dodgy bet is this what is this what's going on that they want dodgy bets so they don't have to pay out they just get to keep the money because um, don't know don't know the bet would be declared void wouldn't it so i would imagine they'd have to pay out the the stake but i don't know because i've never i've never been no, i don't i've never been in a bookies it. i don't bet <laughs> so <laughs> I only I only want to bet on things I know I can win, and so I can't bet on myself because most people um, won't take. Mm-hmm. I, bet, I bet next week I'm going to be in Dubai. There we go. Uh, oh, I've already bought the flights. That's probably not a good idea. But and that's the thing. So it has over over overshadowed the game. So I don't want to dwell too much on it because it's been there has been some good news stories coming, and one that you may. <laughs> It's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. But at this moment in time, Lincoln City are on course or potential to have a unique treble. Not, I'm not expecting this to happen. <laughs> if this happens, then the big money men over in uh, the Far East are really corrupting the game. Because... They are in the build base FA Trophy semi-final, and they're going to be playing York City. So the first legs are due to take place on the 11th of March. Apart from um, the York, so the Dulwich, Ham- Dulwich Hamlet, who are doing really well, really, to uh, mm-hmm. be against Mac- Maxfield Town, uh, and they're going to play Tranmere uh, on the 11th of March. But Lincoln's game can't be on the 11th of March because they're still in the FA Cup. And so, in theory, they could win the FA Trophy. They could very much uh, Roy the Rover stuff, win the FA Cup. And they could, uh, they're sitting pretty at the top of the Vanarama National League. So, I think that is probably uh, a treble that nobody in the right mind um, back in July last year would have thought well, thought being possible at this moment in time uh, saying as we're just about to click over into March it's crazy times I mean as you think about it they've actually set a record in just getting you know in the case of the FA Trophy semi-final the FA Cup semi-final uh, is uh, you know within within their grasp it's within the grasp and that would be the most amazing and as you said unique possibility the, you know the the chance that for the first time ever an FA Trophy semi final can't be played because one of the one of the uh, participating clubs is still in the premier competition of this country. It's just goes just, to show that just goes to show that the cup competitions have had a great season. Okay, <laughs> anybody's it's just been just been amazing. It is the really, really fairy tale stuff, and the the magic has come back to the cup um, after we saw the the league cup being settled between two um, Premier League clubs. But there is something just to throw a little thing in, which possibly uh, may may factor into it. Arsenal are about to be dumped out of the Champions League by Bayern the Tuesday before that FA Cup match. <laughs> I know. It's still these are Arsenal. They're a big Premier League club. 
but that's still going to they're still inhuman and it will weigh on their mind and you've seen a big mm. slump happen quite often when a club has gone far in the FA Cup gets dumped out in a late round and then their season goes to pot and they go back to mid-table obscurity despite they've had this mega FA Cup run so mm. is it is, I'm, I would I would laugh and I would love it and it would be absolutely amazing and uh, if Arsenal when they lose because they're 5-1 down so the chance they're going to yeah. lose and no matter who they field against Lincoln unless it's a field of the, the kids who they're wanting to obviously get uh, the hunger because it seems like their first team squad can't do it in the Champions League and that's going to be amazing for Lincoln and amazing for non-league that we, we're still having a club spoken about in the quarterfinals and I wasn't around 100 years ago when it first uh, last time it no. happened No, I have to admit I missed that one either as well but it just goes to show that you never can take anything for granted in this game you know, if, you, if if you'd basically try to write it down, if if you know, to bring it back to another subject today, if you'd tried to get someone, say for example, like Alan Simpson, to you know to try and write that, he would have he would probably laughed laughed his head off and told you to stop being silly. And yet it's happened. Uh, it probably never happened again. You know, Lincoln City may have set you know set up a. You know, with the potential of setting up a record that will probably never be, you know, never come round again. Might be equal, but I don't think anybody will ever beat it. It's, and it's mad. It's just, uh, it's just one of those things because see, Graham Taylor was a big Lincoln, um, heavily involved in Lincoln over the mm. years, and he's mm. died this year. So mm. it's it's fitting little tribute that they're doing um, on his behalf as well. So it's it's one of those things, but. I can't see it happening, although it will be uh, great if it did. But I've got two other stories which are not as nice. One of them's about Gosport and one of them's about Paul. Um, so, James, what's happening at Gosport then? Bad things still. Yes, it's been it's been rumbling on for, well, certainly all of this season um, and probably, probably longer than that. Um, at the minute, they're, they're not looking good on or off the pitch. They're 20th out of 22 in the National South at the minute. Um, they're in danger of getting cut adrift um, if they're not careful. They're two points behind White Talk at the minute, but seven points behind Concord, uh, who, who are two places above the drop zone. So it's starting to look very perilous indeed for, um, for, for them. Um, and off the pitch, they there's a kind of... Is there, isn't there, going on with the takeover? Um, the chairman is Mark Hook. The chairman, he's, you know, he's adamant that there's a, there's a takeover on the table that it's that it's going to go through. That it got delayed for a couple of weeks because of um, family issues on the uh, on the behalf of the uh, the guy who's taking over or the consortium that's taking over. Um, so they're hoping to hear something in the next week to ten days, um, but. It keeps it keeps getting put off. Um, and I know the manager Alex Pike. He's he's very forthright. He's not happy. Uh, he's not able to get the players in that he wants uh, to be able to uh, get get the team out of the trouble they're in. Um, and it's it's just it must be be really really tough for the fans. It's a really hard situation that you know it, it's got no resolution as yet because even even if everything is 
progressing with this takeover. It, you know, it's it's not going to happen. You know, even if they're here in the next week, ten days, it's not going to happen in that time. Uh, it's still going to drag on for a few weeks before the, it's ratified and it goes through. You know, and it, it, it's getting very, very close to the point where it, you know it's it's going to be too late for for Alex Pag to do anything. And if if it's not gone through by the time the season ends and they do go down, then you know how appealing are they as a as a Southern League team? Um, you know, does the takeover then fall through? Because they've got relegated, um, but do they get relegated because the takeover didn't go through? So it's a, it's a real mess at the, at the ground at the club at the minute. Um, and you know, I hope they get it. I hope they do get it sorted. Uh, but you know, it's, it seems a bit of a shambles at the minute. I know apparently this consortium has put money in. Um, they've put a five-figure sum in a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago to, to keep the club going, but. You know, it can't go on for much longer. They say it needs to be sorted out one way or another, so that the uh, that everybody involved knows what's happening. Because there's only one way that team's going. They got hammered six nil at home on the uh, on the weekend by Hemel. Um, I mean, Hemel are only you know they're tenth. They're they're not they're not one of the not one of the leading lights in the division, shall we say? And they they've gone down to Gosport and smashed them for six. Um, so it's going to be a long hard slogging unless this goes through in good time I can't see them getting themselves out of this this predicament they've got a minus 50 goal difference which is the worst in the division um, ouch yeah they've let in 81 goals in 31 games so it's quite clear how bad the problems are there um, so yeah there's a there's a there's an awful awful long way to go because of course there's only 22 teams in the uh, in the league so there's only 11 games that they've got left so it's got to happen quick. That's the worst goal difference in the whole of the panorama. Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just had a quick look. In all, in all three. In all three, in the whole of the panorama <laughs> divisions. Yeah. Altrincham um, have minus forty-one, and uh, yeah. And they're, they're sitting bottom. So it's it's amazing for me that Gosport have got 25 points. <laughs> yeah. With, with the numbers they've got. They've won six games and stuff. It's, yeah, 4-0 at half-time is not, not a, uh, a good thing for them to be uh, suffering. No, absolutely. It's, um, it's, a, it's a really, as I say, it's a really tough situation. But with 11 games to go, I mean, you know, this takeover needs to go through in the next couple of weeks and, Takeovers just don't go through that quick, so it's going to be really, um, really tough to see how they're going to get out of this one. I mean, I've, like I said, I met the likes of Alex Pike and the rest of them when the Gosport came to you know, came to uh, Hampton a couple of weeks ago, and there's still a little bit of spirit in the camp. Um, they're definitely trying to make sure that they don't end up in the, you know, in the bottom three. So, or is it the bottom four? I'm not used to uh, this. Three, 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 yeah. three, three. And while they think they can keep themselves safe, then they will. Um, thankfully, they will not have an issue with ground grading, so they would not get automatically relegated anyway. Uh, Privet Park's quite a good little ground. It's uh, it's well up to standard. So, you know, they could really do with just a, you know, Know, two or three wins before the end of the season if they can get them but to go down at home on like they, like they did at the weekend I mean 6-0 it's ooh, you know when you're at home 
you know, you really shouldn't be losing to that, you know, that kind of margin. And, you know, okay, you'll go away from home and sometimes you'll get turned over and, you know, you accept as, as the visiting team, that can happen. But again, to be fair, you'll go at half time on your own ground. That's not a way of getting the fans back into the ground to actually come and help them support the club. So I don't envy Alex Pikey's job. I don't envy the task he's got in front of him. But I sure hope they can do it because from what I've seen of them this season, Gosport, you know, they're a club that you know deserves in many respects to be in that league. Um, just on the basis of you know the uh, the atmosphere around the club in you know on a match day, uh, it's a uh, it's a great little place to go and it's a you know, it's, it's a great little ground to watch football. It's a shame. It is uh, a shame, but uh, <laughs> you say about bringing in players, James. It's always one of the things that confuses me about it. That we always say about bringing in a few new players and all this sort of thing. But if the manager's been there since the start of the season, then it's his squad that's not performing, and you can only throw so much money at. Uh, uh, at the, the team and get them to gel because otherwise you just go out and buy who you can and you've then got to try and get them all to play and that's that's the key that a good manager can do they can take a, a lot of different players from everywhere and get them to gel as a team but the off-field problems and the off-field things that are going on really must be uh, causing and weighing on the minds of the players so it's always a tough one uh, to see what's going on uh, there, so you've mentioned ground grading, uh, Rob, and Pool Town uh, are look looking like they're having some problems again with their ground, and uh, whether or not it's going to be up to scratch. Yeah, I mean we we talked we spoke about this a few weeks ago with the fact that uh, Pool Town started up a crowdfunding um, request uh, appeal um, to raise seventy five thousand to bring the. Uh, ground that they currently have up to category B enabling them to stay in this league and last I heard um, after about a month, six weeks of um, fundraising basic appeals and the rest of it they're still short by some good 30 to 35,000 on the on the Just Giving page, they have raised 51% of their 10,000 target. So they have yeah. got 5,180 yeah, uh, that's, out that's, of the 10,000. So, so that's from the crowdfunding appeal. Um, but the thing is, the deadline's fast approaching. They've got a month. And despite the fact they're having a great season on the field, there's a very real possibility that come the end of the season, if the ground grading um, criteria is not met, the if they happen to finish in the playoff places from second to fifth, they will not be permitted to take part and will be relegated. Um, which makes it rather interesting because there's not because the other there's actually another club in the top in the top five in the conference south as I still call it, who might still yet be um, in danger from a similar thing. And it's not one we've covered, but it was one that I was made aware of on the weekend. It's Hungerford Town. I mean, they—it's the first time they've been at this, you know, this step in the football pyramid, and so of course, so of course, you wouldn't expect the ground to be quite up to the grading standards. 
and there's there's rumours flying, and that's all they are. I wouldn't say there's any truth in them. I wouldn't even know if there's any fact behind them. But there is the possibility that if those two finish in the top in the top five, then you could end up seeing the teams in sixth and seventh being invited into the playoffs as you know due to the ground grading issues. And if this is the case, this is just going to just it's going to leave so much uncertainty in the last month of the season. It's going to make it ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, in some respects, I've got a little bit of sympathy for the two clubs because they are very ambitious clubs. But, you know, it's one thing to have success on the field. But if you can't get the community to back you up and help you and support you and bring funding in to make a ground that suitable for this level of football, then what point you know, is there of all the ambition on the pitch? If you know your community is slow in helping you, time will come when you'll think, what is the point? We can be successful. No one's backing us. We can't. We haven't got the funds to basically you know, put together a ground that befits the level we want to play at. So why should we bother? And that's what I feel sorry for these clubs. They've got it on the field. No question about that. They wouldn't be where they are if they weren't. But because they've achieved success so quickly the infrastructure hasn't been able to keep up. And it just goes to show that it can be a very tricky balancing act between the two. Do you want ambition on the pitch or do you want your infrastructure to be good enough? And the in Pool Town have got that problem. Um, if anybody's looked at Pool Town's history, you'll see what the problem is. Um, basically, the ground they've got, they've only been in it 15 years and they basically had to develop it from scratch from a school field. So they haven't, so they've been always playing catch-up. So it's going to make life difficult for them, both clubs for next month if the rumours about Hungerford, uh, Hungerford Town are correct. So who knows what's going to happen in the National League South in April. Nobody knows. We shan't know until the deadline for the ground grading inspections have been. It's, yeah, it's one of those things that you would hope clubs were planning for. Um, because it's a pretty sure the condition of the promotion is the fact that you've got a season to bring your ground up to standard, and um, you know just you know, it's it sometimes it's a bit of a lottery because you know some clubs will do it, some clubs can get the funding, some clubs have got the backers to do it, and yet some haven't, and they're the ones that are going to be struggling despite having a great team on the pitch. It's hard, yeah. You know, it's it's one of those situations you hope you never find your club in and um, you know, thankfully it's probably not, probably not going to happen um, for Bracknell Town at least not in the, not in, not in the near future anyway um, Hampton have just had the inspection for ground grading as both category B and we're pretty much fine um, and I'm pretty sure that Gainsborough will never have an issue with the ground grading in the next few years so, you know, it's these small, ambitious clubs that are going to get caught in this trap if they can't get the infrastructure up to, uh, you know, up to a good standard. Well, yeah, that's the uh, the thing. Hungerford Town, you've mentioned them. They, they've they just raised 5359 through just giving as well um, to go proportion towards their 35000 It's going to cost them to uh, get the ground up to scratch. But they've gone up three divisions in a very short space of time. Mm-hmm. And so like you say, it's a, it's a meteoric rise, as their chairman has put it, uh, that's caused uh, that's causing the issue for them. Mm-hmm. And they, 
it is a it is awful um but it's the price you have to factor in when you go for the success uh, which is why some clubs decline the chance to promotion because they know they're not able to spend the money in the off offside uh, the off field activities or around the field as it were i hope best of luck to both of them i hope they manage to do it because i was looking at the, the way they're playing hungerford have just dropped to six so they're just outside the playoffs but it's it's a shows it's not easy running a football club and that's where that's the thing so some people can do it well but you need to go and work out what it is when you say about trinity um at the moment they're they're, they're in a relegation dogfight so they're trying to ensure we we stay at the level we're at let alone uh, look to improve at this moment because we're only two points above relegation now we've just changed manager um and we had a uh, 2-0 uh, the loss of the weekend so yeah i'm sorry one nil loss at the weekend to curzon so it's not uh, <clears throat> it's not great uh, from that perspective but like you say our ground unless something drastically changes we did need to do some work uh with new regulations about the referees change rooms etc we had to do some work in the off season to uh, get that changed but we've managed to uh, get that all through but another thing you can always change is the manager and we don't do the manager or merry-go-round the same uh, as what we used to do but uh, there was just something well, I've just been looking at uh, a couple of uh, stories about Hungerford and Paul one of the things that I came across is another Vanarama South um, story but before I actually want to mention that I want to say Blind Spartans just won their 12th consecutive game in all competitions which is a pretty impressive record to uh, get 12 mm. straight wins and they are motoring and i mean proper motoring now at the top of the evo stick um where they've opened for 16 point gap uh, over stalbridge so and nobody's got it's all all games seem to play they've still played 33 which is the same as the a lot of them around them maybe the odd game here or there but 16 17 point gap is pretty good uh, for them um, with uh, with the way it's going. So 12 games in a row. Uh, congratulations to them for getting that. Although it was marred at the weekend and they're doing an investigation into racial slurs, uh, which were shouted at the Corby Town uh, defender um, over the weekend. But uh, it really took away from a 12-match a 12, a 12, well, uh, run. I'm just looking, and so let's just mention that Welling. Welling have had managerial problems since everybody changed it. They had a little, let's swap here, swap there, move around. And the joint caretaker manager, Tristan Lewis, has confirmed he doesn't actually want to take the job long term. And so they're in the, following Jamie Day's departure, they've been in charge, him and Harry Wheeler. But he's now uh, said uh, one of the managers said he doesn't want this full time. He's only just filling in for them. So I think that's a, a situation going on there. And James, you said about Martin Allen as well. Uh, you found out he's uh, not going to be Eastley any longer. No, he's um, he's gone. He uh, he only had I think it was fourteen games he had uh, in charge. They were just outside the playoffs, I think, when he took over. Um, but they're now 17 points off the playoffs. 
Um, obviously, no chance of them making it now. Uh, and yeah, I think I think he had was it three wins. I think in that time. Um, if you take the run in isolation, it's obviously it's not it's not really a surprise that he's um, that he's gone. I think they lost three 0 at Dover at the weekend. Ricky Miller uh, continued his phenomenal season with a hat trick. Um, you know, it's the fact that he, uh, you know, he, he dropped back down from from Barnet to take the job. Um, who's made a lot of changes to the playing start uh, playing squad. Uh, brought in um, an awful lot of players there. I think he's in double figures for the amount of players he's brought in. I think it was thirteen. I think um, so. He's, you know, he, he can't say that it's not his squad. Um, having having said that, he didn't bring thirteen players in on day one, and. You know, and work with them. So, it, you know, he's brought them in in dribs and drabs. So, he, there, could, there could be an argument there to say, has he been given long enough to work with the squad that he's built? Now that it's built, if you, you know, if you know where I'm coming from on that. Mm. But I suppose you can't really. I know the fans didn't like the style of football. Um, so, I, I think common consensus is that they're quite happy that he's gone. Uh, the former manager. Richard Hill is back in charge at the minute. He's coming in as director of football, but he's um, and he's actually going to be hiring the manager. Um, so will he be hiring himself, or, uh, <laughs> or will he go for someone else? I'm not sure. Um, I wouldn't have thought he'll want the job if he's going to be director of football. He'll just want to concentrate on the uh, on the off the field stuff. I would have thought the transfers and everything that that would entail. But you know, I mean, they they, they are getting closer. To the relegation zone uh, every week it seems uh, if you look at Sutton below them because of their cup run Sutton have got three games in hand on them um, so could go well clear of them so easily could could find himself 16th just by virtue of Sutton's games in hand um, but at the minute they're only uh, what is it eight, eight, eight points above the drop zone in the in the National League so things are starting to get a little bit a little bit nervy for them and considering you know they they're quite a well-off club. They should be, they should be pushing for the playoffs. And and as I said, they were when Martin Allen took over, and they're certainly not now. No, it's it comes back to one of those, one of those things in football, is that sometimes you get clubs with money who just do not perform, and in other circumstances, you get clubs with very little money that always seem to be able to. You know, rise above themselves and be challenging every season. With Eastley, you've got a club that's got the finances, but as in some respects have lost their way when with Martin Allen being in charge. And it comes back to a point I was making some this afternoon. It's not the money that you have; it's what you do with the money you've got. It's what you do with it that matters. And. I'm starting to question whether Martin Allen was ever a good choice for Eastie in the first place. We know they're ambitious. Everybody knows that. It's there in the you know on the any press report you care to read. They want to be in League One. That's where they see themselves as ending up. And Martin Allen would have been the appointment towards that end result and towards that goal. And it's backfired spectacularly in some respects because. The form's just gone out of the window. They're dropping, the you know, they're falling, you know, faster than anything you've ever you've seen in a long time. And you know, Richard Hill, he's got 
a lot of work to try and do to actually try and just stabilize it first. And there's not a lot of time left to do it in. He's got to hope that they can pick up, you know, a point here, a point there. And then when the new manager comes in, he can continue that. Because otherwise, they're going to be looking over their shoulders to see what Sutton are doing every week. They're going to be checking the, the results from Gander Green Lane or whoever Sutton are playing at five o'clock every, every game. Just so Sutton, and just to see if they're catching them up or they've still got a chance of getting clear of things. Yeah, it just goes to show that sometimes picking the higher profile manager or what's perceived as the best manager doesn't always quite work. And you see, you also see clubs where you look at the manager and you think, you know, how on earth has he ended up as a manager? But he's successful and he gets the job done. Martin Allen was doing, you know, he was, he was okay at Barney. But it's possible that the, that the league uh, personalities that Martin Allen has gathered around him haven't worked in the National League. And for all of the fact we say it's essentially League 3, there's still places that they have to go where it isn't. And, um, you know, it's just just an appointment that everybody will just have to hold their hands up, you know, within Eastie and say, yeah, we, went, we didn't get it right, we got the wrong man in. So, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult for them, but they've got to pick the right man. And it's obvious the fact now that Martin Allen was not the right man. Jamie Day knew what he was doing because he got them on the fringes of the playoffs before he left. But it doesn't look as if with the players that Martin Allen's got and what he brought in, it doesn't look as if the same, there isn't that same confidence that there was before. I'm, I'm sure he can go back to Barnet because he's uh, had uh, four spells in charge there. I think if you include his caretaker, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he's uh, he'll be able uh, to do that. But yeah, it's it's one of those things. That, this is by far it's one of those something hasn't worked because over looking over his the course of his managerial career, career Martin Allen he's not been that bad really. He's got apart from a little spell at Cheltenham. He's he's got like 30, uh, uh, 38 to uh, fifty to sixty seven percent of win ratios, and you're never going to get somebody unless the club has moved right up to the top. And then you're going to say, why is he why is he still working for a club in, in non league? But if you look at um, his spells, for instance, at uh, Brentford. Where he's got a forty-three percent winner. He was there for a couple of years and got promotions and did did some uh, won some cups. He won the league uh, with Gillingham. He took them to uh, when he was in charge of Gillingham. He took them to uh, up to League One. So it's just he's got the pedigree. And I think you're right, Rob. It's just one of those things where he's got the pedigree. And to me, I liken it not 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 quite the same. Um, but we at Trinity, we've suffered the same thing. When we used to have a big backer, then that's where we had we you suffer uh, because I think I mentioned it earlier on because people bring in players and it's trying to get them to gel and mm. it doesn't work because you have the money, you bring in the players, and that's where you have an issue that sometimes it's just a problem that you go in and you do that 
and you just spend money and you can't get those people to actually work you can't get those people to be together and so that's where the issue is that you have the uh, you have the players who on paper should win everything under the sun yeah but they can't they don't win anything and and that's the thing and we saw it say at trinity Trinity, we had brian little who had 80 games in charge uh, to trinity and only won 25 of them so you're looking at less than 20 per 25 percent and he had a massive budget he was given everything he could ever want he had a massive pedigree because it's not long after his villa time and then you see what nothing actually happened with it and so that's the the thing i mean, look at, I mean looking at that example chris i mean yeah i mean he'd been at aston villa he'd, you know he's got he'd got another low reasonably local club to yourself on his cv as well and done reasonably well there and you just get some appointments where the manager looks as if he should be able to do you know everything and get the club to where that the board wants him to get and take them but for some reason it just doesn't come off it just doesn't work some some appointments it does and some of them it doesn't and this is one of them that you know it's left to be just chopped off to experience unfortunately it is but credit to the committee manager the directors at the club that they've made the decision now they can bring somebody in who's going to hopefully then have this the it's right off the season not many games left let's take it as consolidation and then look towards next season that's always the big yeah. thing that you want to do but i know one thing that james is looking forward to he's looking to taking his team and rather than being football manager he's actually being a real football manager and he's going to take his little lads and you're going to win the cup aren't you james well i'd like to think so they'd certainly deserve it and they um they can beat anyone on their day they're great little uh, great bunch of lads and you know they'll, they'll certainly give it their all that's for sure and we just have to see what happens on the day so what we, what we really would like to read about that is we'd like to read uh, about that on underleague.com and where else can we find you on the internet uh, yeah you can find me on Facebook and Twitter both under the league uh, it's been great as always and uh, that was me thinking we didn't have a lot to talk about tonight <laughs> these are normally the worst ones because it's hard to shut us up because we're not actually sticking to a script we're looking through and it's like there I was just looking at something else and Bly's just wow 12 games on a, on a trot and they've opened such a big league and I like I like it when it's like this we've only got a very short rundown that we don't need to uh, be able to hit there is um, Rob so we know you're heavily involved in Hampton Richmond and you have this this little twitter handle that one day we will get out of you <laughs> one day you might and i might have to actually remember why i chose it <laughs> it's been going on so long i'm not even sure myself why i chose it but never mind yes at rabid robo is still ongoing it's still blathering away um still doing all the work for the clubs still out there on facebook and sooner than later there will be a topic that stirs the little grey cells into something for the blog uh, football as I see it and still you know, still paddling the old canoe in many respects but yeah still out there still talking non-league um, 
It's been great as always talking to you guys. There is a little thing just so just um, we're wrapping this up. Lincoln could be at Wembley for the FA Trophy final. In theory, they could be there for the FA Cup final as well. Uh, but also another local club to me, uh, Cleetown. Uh, they are looking at making the Vars final. So it could be an interesting day. Uh, they are doing the uh, the special double up FA Vars and FA Trophy finals again and I know you found uh, a little Groupon uh, for it James but I'm not sure whether that's going to be still uh, in the length of the still in the running by the time uh, we go out because I haven't actually checked but uh, the non-league finals day is going to be on Sunday the 21st of May and it's obviously going to be at Wembley you've got four games or two four clubs two games and you can pick it up for £25 for adults and only kids for a quid which is what I really liked what they do to make sure that they're trying to get a new generation into football um, the cynic in me obviously says get a new generation used to going to Wembley and paying the inflated prices for all the stuff that's in there but that's uh, something that uh, we need to look at later but really it's been a non-league podcast episode 125 and whatever you've been doing I thank you for listening <laughs>